Well, I've been sick. <laughs> uh, this is uh, probably the best I've been in three, week, three days. So um, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's been a difficult couple of days. But um, as we think about Christmas and uh, especially Christmas Eve, I know there are a number of things that are special to us, you know. Um, I always liked at the youth convention on Good Friday, they would have the uh, candlelight service, you know. And, you know, you'd have four or 5,000 people, 7,000 people with candlelight candles, and they lit the, it was just a, it's a beautiful feeling, a beautiful evening. And I often think of, for ourselves, the, the light that shines in our life and the light is Christ and how that Christ has, um, Christ has been this light to our lives. And as we think about, um, as I think about the coming of Christmas and uh, the coming of the new year, I think of it in the context of how can we be encouraging? What gifts of encouragement could we give to the people around us? Um, how that we could be bearers of good tidings, <laughs> bearers of things that would bring great joy. And uh, we, we look at life sometimes, and I don't know um, how many times we see it, but we, we see the, the negative, the, the bad, you know, we, you know, all you got to do is watch the news at night, and for an hour and a half you can see every crime that was committed around the world, not every crime, but the biggest, the worst of them. And it just seems to be like there's no, is there any good going on in the world? And, and the reality of that is, yes, there is a lot of good going on in the world. There's a lot of good happening around us. And I think that God wants us to be bearers of joy. He wants us to be the gift bearers of, of, of good tidings. And that the good tidings that we have is founded in our relationship with Christ and how that God is not out of control. You know, the world is not out of control. ISIS is in control of the, the outcome of the world. I remember bay, way back in um, the Cold War, we would hear about how that uh, Berlin and, and uh, how that the, Mo- the Russians and the Moscow, that somebody's got their finger on the nuclear bombs and they're going to start a nuclear war. And, you know, God still has the world in his hand. And God is still in control of all things. And whenever it's his time, it will be done. And when it's not his time, it won't happen until then. So until, I, I often think of it in, that we look at the end of life. You know, way out there at the end of life, wherever it is. And when the end of life is here, we're going home to heaven. God has forgiven us of our sins. God has taken care of everything. And when it's all said and done, God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. It's all going to be a wonderful place and everything's good. So if it's all good out there, why can't we come back to where we're at today and recognize that we are safe and we are at peace with God and we are at peace with our fellow man. And that the peace that Jesus Christ came to give at, as it were, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, And this peace on earth is something that we are to possess in our hearts, that we are to possess, that we are to be at peace. I heard a guy the other day, if I can remember the quote, it said, um, oh, I was talking about humility, but it's um, kind of like a determined humility, (laughs) a determined humility. And we, we don't think of those words as going together. That a determ- there's a determination inside of us that is birthed by the Spirit of God that 
that we are here on a mission, we are here for a purpose. And determined humility, I think that's, that's what Jesus is. He is that determined humility, determined to accomplish the will of the Father, and yet humble in how that he, he presents it and how that he, he works into the lives of other people. And so if we think of how that God is with us now, that it is a determined humility, that he's not going to come into our life with a ball bat and say, you know, straighten up or else. He's going to come with his grace and his mercy, and he's going to come to us to encourage our hearts to bring hope and peace. The story behind Joy to the World, you know, this is one of those songs that we've sung, I've sang, uh, not very well, but I sung, <laughs> I've sung, I've sung, I've sang, I've, I'm singing, uh, <laughs> almost sounds like Elf. I'm singing. All right, I'm not singing. So, um, but anyhow, this Christmas carol, I want to read, I want to read uh, the, the outline of Joy to the World here. No Christmas carol list would be complete without the exuberant celebration song of Joy to the World. This lively tune is essentially memorized and simple to play as an instrument. But do you know that the interesting story behind this well-beloved hymn. Isaac Watts in 1674 to 1748, so it's an old one, author of about 750 songs, is commonly called the father of hymns due to his popular popularity as the first English hymn writer. A few of his most well-known songs still sing are sung today, in, which include Come Ye That Love the Lord, and when I survey the wondrous cross, at the cross. And the topic of today's post is joy to the world. Isaac Watts was a young man when hymns other than the Psalms were allowed to be sung in the Church of England. This gave way to Watts developing many beloved songs, and Watts still based many of his songs on the Psalms. But he was especially interested in writing a hymn based on the Christian experience. Joy to the World was written in 1719, based on Psalm 98. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice. Sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, and with the harp and with the voice of a psalm. With trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. If you notice the lyrics of the song, Joy to the World, you will see nothing about shepherds, manger, wise men, angels, or any other character or element that we commonly associate with a Christmas story. The reason behind that Isaac Watts did not write Joy to the World to be a Christmas song. The original theme of the song was the second coming of the Lord. Christmas won't always be a joyful time, but when Jesus comes back, even the rocks will sing. So over 100 years later in 1839, Lowell Mason adapted the arrangement, this song, into a melody many believe to have been written by Handel. In my research, the guy who wrote this psalm, this, this, this uh, information here, he says, I have not been able to establish when or why this hymn became associated with Christmas. Certainly we can look at the message in, in, the, in the song and see 
that it can be applied to Christ's appearance as a babe in the Bethlehem. We must prepare room for him in our hearts and lives. This is a joyous occasion. So as you hear the singing of this beloved carol, think about the words. Yes, they apply to the Christmas story in that the Lord is come. But let the lyrics also point to the reason Jesus came, to save the world. Be ready because he is coming again. What a glorious day that will be when the whole earth celebrates his appearing. So as we think of joy to the world, the Lord is come. You know, <clears throat> just like we associate, I've, I've always associated with, oh, joy to, the Lord, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let the earth receive her king. We, you know, think of the manger, think of the Bethlehem, think of all these types of things. But none of them, <laughs> none of those are mentioned in the song. There's nothing about shepherds and wise men and things like that. It's all about referring to Jesus coming back again. And it is important that we celebrate the birth of Christ. Um, And the birth of Christ was not celebrated until many centuries later. It was the resurrection of Christ that was always celebrated. And uh, so we have the resurrection of Christ, which brings to us the hope of eternal life, which gives to us that peace of God that passes all understanding. And in Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, verse 10, it says, Go home and prepare a feast, holiday food, and drink, and share it with those who don't have anything. This is the day, this, this day is a holy day to God. Don't feel bad. The joy of God is your strength. <laughs> so whenever we start, and I, I think of writing uh, this this uh, um, message this evening, I was thinking of joy and I was thinking of encouragement. And how many times throughout the scriptures are the two of them put together? That if you, if you look up joy, you find that it is almost always in, um, in the framework of something being given and how that God has brought something into your life. And um, we have here, Nehemiah does it. And in Galatians, Paul writes about it. He says, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. That when we live God's way, he brings gifts into our lives. So as we, again, think about Christmas and uh, the coming uh, of uh, Christmas morning with all of the, the gifts and so on, we find that it is, a, it is a place where gifts are part of what we do. Giving of gifts, and if you haven't bought the right gifts, it's too late. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, I shopped early this year. It was about 3 o'clock this afternoon. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, I was going to come out and bum some off of some of you and say, do you have anything special that Rhonda would like? <laughs> Can you bring that to church tonight and uh, wrap it in this kind of paper? But <clears throat> when you think of joy to the world, when you think of joy and peace and, and presence of God, presence, not gifts under the tree, but the presence of God, um, what do you think of? I mean, what... Uh, what is your most joyful Christmas experience? You know, what is your most joyful Christmas experience? Anyone have one? Anyone have a joyful Christmas experience? 
Well, it's all been bah humbugs for us, you know. On your pins, it has Jesus light the way, you know. But uh, any other, any other memorable Christmas experiences? I remember as a kid, we used to, we had a live nativity, and uh, we had the truck, you know, the farm and the, the racks were on the back of the truck, so we could haul animals, and we hauled the donkey, and uh, he was a little stubborn at times to come down the sidewalk while we're trying to uh, recite the Christmas story and we're going to marry Joseph and I don't remember it intently I just remember trying to pull that stupid donkey down the street you know (laughs) so he wouldn't cooperate so anyone else any other any uh, memorable Christmas doesn't have to be church things, you know. Years, I don't know why, um, whenever I grew up in church, we never had a Christmas Eve service. We just never had one. Um, we always had uh, New Year's Eve services, but we never had a Christmas Eve service. So it wasn't until just a, a few years ago, uh, I don't know how long ago, but that we started having uh, our Christmas Eve service here. And uh, it's been an uh, important part of what we do. Um, Anyone else? Any, any other special, memorable moments of Christmas Eve? Christmas? Yes. Yeah? You, you got a target? Yeah. Good. I didn't... Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So we see that everybody has a special, and I'm sure you have a special. You know, you have a special one. We just, but you see, encouragement is that we are to remember the good things. We are we are to remember the good things, and we are to encourage ourselves in the Lord, and to encourage ourselves in our faith, and encourage, and and to find that um, we have this uh, humility that just doesn't give up this 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 uh, tenaciousness this uh, stubbornness if you would would call it that digging our heels in or whatever you want to say that our faith in God and that our our belief in what God is doing and what he wants to do in our life isn't over yet it isn't over yet God still has a place a plan and a purpose for our lives and and he is going to what happens when, God, when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. You know, and there are a lot of gifts going to be coming into your lives, some more than others, <laughs> uh, in the next uh, 24 hours or so. But the gifts that God gives to us won't become obsolete in a few hours or in a few years. The gifts that God brings into our lives are gifts that he has given, us, given to us to bring courage and strength to our lives that we can be encourage, encouragers to others. So as we, you know, as we think about people around us and lives that we can interact with, we think of ways to help them to believe that God is there with us and the joy of the Lord is our strength and that no matter what happens, God is going to see us through this. 
and God is going to give us the gifts. And as we approach the ending of one year and the beginning of a new one, we are looking at how that God is going to use us again, afresh and anew, to take us onward from here to where he wants us to be. Amen? All right. Um, well, I'll read the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2. And uh, this one is the NIV. Sunday I read, read it in the... Uh, King James, but in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken to the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said unto them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So that's our understanding of the Christmas story. And there are so many other things in those verses. But God came to encourage us that there is hope. There is a Messiah. There is a way to be restored. There is a peace that God gives. And there's a joy that he has in our hearts. Shall we just stand? Do you want to sing, dear? Yeah. Lift, do you want to get the... I, I would... Um, whenever we light the candles, the one that's lit is held this way. The one that's being lit comes in from the side. That way you don't drip wax all over everything. So just remember that. Well, I'll light a candle and we'll pass it around. And it's a symbol of how that the light of God works in our lives and that Jesus lights our path. And all the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of one candle. <laughs>